0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Saint. And Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So uh, on Thursday night this week, I was at Bernardo and Gigi's and uh, their nephew, Justin, shared his testimony. And when I was getting ready to leave, Justin and Lindsay were telling me that they were leaving at 4 a.m. this morning and they're heading to Connecticut, right? And so they're, they're on the road, but Lindsay said that she wanted an extra-long sermon to kind of help pass the time. So, so I told her, I said, that was, that was good. I don't usually have a problem with that. So uh, Lindsay, if you're watching, for you, I said I'll preach on this New Testament reading from Hebrews, and then I'll do the Gospel reading as well. So that might get you like an hour on your trip extra. I, I don't know. It might be good. But um, I would like to pray for them since they're on the road. So, Father, we just thank you so much uh, for Justin and Lindsay and their presence in this place. Father, we just ask for safe travels for them as they go on this trip to be with their families. Father, I pray that it's a time of rest and relaxation and that it's fruitful and that it glorifies you um, as they're with them and as they discuss things with their, their families during this time. So just bless them. Uh, so that they can be a blessing to their family in Jesus name, amen. well, today we would like to I would like to look at this reading from hebrews and um, we 're going to look specifically at chapter eleven, really only verse one it 's amazing how much you can get from just one verse and so the big idea for today is really what is faith and so this is a pretty simple sermon it 's really going to look at what faith is not and what biblical Bible faith really is in walking with Christ. And so just to give a little background, so the Hebrew Christians were under a great deal of persecution. Um, There was times when many of them had thought about returning to Judaism. Some were in prison, if you go back and look at chapter 10, and some were making a decision to identify with those in prison, which put themselves at risk and their property at risk and their lives at risk. And so really, the writer of Hebrews is calling the people to be persevering individuals of faith. Persevering individuals of faith. Because at the conclusion of chapter 10, right before we get into chapter 11 and verse 39, it says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You know, that's not a very good deal if you're not someone of faith that says you're going to shrink back and be destroyed. Pretty hard words to hear. And so all through Hebrews, the writer is really pushing us to Christ, pushing us to the truths of Christ. And these were some of the things that this writer talks about when it came to Christ. He said Christ was giving himself once for all as a final sacrifice for our sins. He was perfecting us for all time by a single offering. He was giving us a clean conscience by his own blood. He's our sympathetic high priest before God. Christ is interceding for us day by day in heaven. He's putting his laws in our minds and writing them on our hearts. He's being our God. He's remembering our sins no more. And he's promising never to leave us or forsake us. These are all truths that we hear about in Christ as you read through this letter to the Hebrews. And all of these truths, the purpose is is really to show that we're not going into this faith in Christ blindly. We're not just waking up one day saying, oh yeah, I'm gonna follow God and not have any idea what that means or who this God is. We know because of this book. We know because of what's in the Bible. And you see, in chapter 11, verse 1, which we're really going to focus on today, we get the definition of what it means to be that person of faith, and it's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so that begs to ask, am I a man or woman of faith? You see, it says in in verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So without faith, we can't please God. And so I want to look at first, you know, what is faith? What is not faith? What faith is not? Because sometimes I think we kind of get this confused in the world today. You see, faith is really not a feeling. You know, people say they're someone of faith. I read a survey from 2021, yesterday, and it said that 63% of Americans identify themselves as a Christian. In 2011, 75% identified as Christians, a 12% decrease over the last 10 years. But I wonder how many of that 63% are really a Christian, really have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Because so often people can say, yeah, I'm a person of faith. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But if you were to ask them some of these questions, they couldn't answer them. If you ask them, do you believe Jesus was actually God? Uh, well, I I don't know. Do you believe that he died for your sins on the cross? Oh, well, yeah, I guess he died on the cross. I don't know about for my sins. I, mm. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Well, I, I that doesn't seem very believable. Maybe his friends just moved him out of the tomb. I don't know. You see, those might be some of the answers you get from people that say they're a person of faith because they really have no idea what's in this book or what this is all about, but they just say, yeah, it's a feeling. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like there's something more. Yeah, I'm a, sure, I'm a person of faith. But if they can't answer those questions, then that faith is just based on a feeling. And you see, that's not saving faith. Faith is also not positive thinking. It's not a hunch that is followed. It's not hoping for the best or hoping that everything's going to be okay. It's not a feeling of optimism. See, faith is not any of those things, and yet they're all associated, I think, in the world today as being part of the faith. As someone that says there, I'm a faithful person. So that leaves us with what is a biblical faith. Well, it begins with it does begin with hope. In the first part of this very concise definition that we get of faith in Hebrews, it says it's the assurance of things hoped for. Now, if you're hoping for something, then there must be an element of discontentment. And so for us to have a saving faith, there has to be that initial element of discontentment. We have to be dissatisfied with what this world has to offer we have to be dissatisfied and so that leads to a longing that there must be something more and then that kind of puts us back to what verse 6 says in chapter 11 whoever would draw near to God must believe so it starts with that belief that there's a God that there's something more and that comes from this dissatisfaction if you looked over and we looked at this last time I preached the rich young ruler And he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you know, follow these commands. And he goes, I've done all those things. And then Jesus says, but one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Why? One, because he made his money and possessions an idol. And the second part was he wasn't discontented this time. He thought he had it all. He was following all the commands since birth, he said. He was good. And now he had all this stuff, and his life was going well. I can assure you, though, at some point, he realized he wasn't content. And he wasn't satisfied. Because all of those things that we have, all the money we can make, all of that stuff is only going to go so far in bringing us contentment. Because we're always going to want more. We're always going to want more. And so I'm sure at some point he regretted that decision that he made when he was standing with Jesus and saying, "Mm, I want to keep my stuff. I want to keep my stuff. And then there's the other part to this. that says, then we have the conviction of things not seen. You see, that is faith. That is faith, the conviction of things not seen. In Mark chapter 5, we hear the story of, of the woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And so she had heard the reports, remember that, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in a crowd and touched his garment because she thought, even if I touch just his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up And she felt in her body that she had been healed of the disease. And then Jesus goes on to ask who touched him. And she comes forward and she falls at his knees, trembling, and tells him the whole story. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see, she had not met Jesus before. Best we can tell, she had never seen Jesus in person. Because it says here that she had heard about the reports of Jesus. She'd heard those reports of Jesus, and that was enough in her to trigger faith that this guy, if I can just touch his garment, I might can be healed. I can be healed if I just do that. So she believed what she had heard about Jesus. She believed all the things that he was doing in his ministry at this point, and she had that faith to go and touch him, and she was healed. You see, real faith is based on the trustworthiness of God. We have to believe that God exists, and even when we look back at Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God. It doesn't just say, in the beginning, the heavens and the earth were created. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, it all starts with God. When we get on our knees to pray and we don't see anyone there, how are we certain he's there listening to us? It's a result of God's grace and his mercy, of him revealing his truth to us in the word. You know, that's kind of become a theme in my sermons, the word. You know, I, have, I just got back from RYM a few weeks ago with the kids, and when we're on that trip, they have this book table, and they have great books, and I always buy some, and I'm reading some right now, and the kids go and buy them, and we sit on the beach, and we'll all be reading our books, and we talk about them, and it's great because they're great books. They do help us deepen our faith. They do help us go through that. But I've never seen one of the kids really have their Bible out on the beach and be reading their Bible. And not just my group, any of the groups. But I think that's a huge part because if we're gonna have faith in Christ, we have to be standing on the word. And so often we're so eager as I've talked about to pick up these other resources and read them and we put this to the side And we put it to the side but we say, well, I'm hearing about it because I'm reading this book right now. But it's not the same as picking up your Bible because a saving faith is rooted in the Word of God. And so we're going to hear that probably probably for the next, however long I'm at Christ the King, probably every sermon I preach is going to go back to spending time in the Word. Because that's where we need to be in this community of faith if we're going to withstand all the pressures of this world. Because it's not getting any better around us. And we need to be the ones that can point people to the light. That can point them to Christ. And that comes with our relationship with God that's really going to start with our faith being rooted in this book. Now as we go through this, the rest of this reading from Hebrews, it talks about a lot of people. Abraham, Abel, Enoch, Noah. These people are mentioned. So these could, this could be like the Hall of Fame, this section could be called. In Hebrews but I just want to focus on a little bit on Noah so we know Noah built the ark after just being told by God why why would he do that why when he's going and kind of telling people this is coming and they think he's crazy why would Noah stand up and say there's going to be a flood why would Noah stand up and start building this ark it's because he got it he had a saving faith in God And his belief was rooted in the word, and it was rooted in, it was just rooted in the word. And then he knew from there he needed to respond to God's call on his life, and God was calling him to build this ark when it made no sense at all. When it made absolutely no sense. In James it says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, Noah got that, even though James was long off from being written, Noah got that. He got it. He had heard the story. He trusted the promise. And then he lived his life. And when God called, he built the ark. He believed that God was in control of history. And despite everyone laughing at him, he built the boat anyway. Despite that he was 500 miles or more from any type of ocean, he built it anyway. Despite the boat being way too big for just his family... He built it anyway, and when he finished, he loaded it up with the animals, just like he was called to do. And you see, that's what we're called to, to be just like Noah and all the others mentioned in this reading from Hebrews. That's what our faith is supposed to be like today, like them, that followed behind, even when things really didn't make all that much sense. Even when we're going, what are you doing, God? I don't get this. I don't get this. I don't know why you're putting me through this or why you're wanting me to do this. This doesn't add up. And most of the time, it probably won't in our minds, but God. I ran across this. It was from a Dr. Joseph Stawell. He gives us the vivid picture of the Christian life. It says the Bible defines the race we are to run as a relay race. This means that we are connected to all those who come before us, And after us in the contest of faith. The Holy Spirit hands us the baton, we hear the crack of the starter's pistol, and we suddenly realize it's my turn. The goal is to run our leg of the race and faithfully hand it off the baton to the next generation. I think it's encouraging for us to look back and think we're connected to Noah, we're connected to all these guys, we're connected to the apostles. As, we, as we're running our race and keeping Christ as our goal. I think that should be an encouragement to us to look at all of these people that were running their race, and they've handed it off, and we're carrying it on. I mean, where would we be if the disciples had said, I'm not doing this, I'm going to keep this to myself, I'm not sharing it with anybody. We wouldn't be sitting here today, we wouldn't be talking about all this today, if the disciples had said, I'm keeping it to myself. And so that's one of our things. We're supposed to be passing this off to the next generation. Last year, right before my grandfather had passed away, my um, uncle had done all this genealogy research on the McKenzie's. And uh, I had done a little bit of it, and then he kind of took it over, and he said the prominent theme throughout all the genealogy, and I think he made it back into the 1600s over in Scotland and Ireland, As he said, the prominent theme in the family was always they were people of faith. And I love looking back at my family and thinking this is something that's carried on from generation to generation that we've passed down. Because I know I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for my grandparents and their faithfulness of being at church. And my parents and their faithfulness being at church. And then all of us coming together as the body and being connected. I think that's an exciting thing when we're able to look back generation upon generation of this faith and us carrying that baton, I love that image of passing the baton. I ran across this. There was once a small village which was suffering from a severe drought. The crops were dying and the villagers and their animals had very little water to drink. One day to try to find the solution to the drought, the village priest called all the villagers to gather in the square so they could pray for rain. And he told them to bring along a token of their faith. So most brought along their Bibles or small crosses, and they all prayed aloud, and sure enough, within a few moments, it began to rain. The whole crowd was overjoyed and danced happily. The priest noticed that among the joyous crowd, there was a small boy clutching an umbrella as a token of his faith. The priest admired the little boy who had brought an umbrella in total faith that God would surely hear his prayers, and send the rain. I thought that was so cool to think. It's always the little kids where we learn so much from when it comes to our faith. But faith is not passive. It requires knowledge. It requires belief. It requires trust. And it requires action. Now one thing I will say in this is, back in January when I took the class, um, the theology of the Holy Spirit in January as an intensive one of the things we talked about was the different types of healing. And as I was studying this and I was thinking about that with bringing the umbrella and it raining and these things happening, is I was reminded of at RYM one of my kids came up to me and said, Matthew, I don't understand. All these things are happening to me. And I trust Jesus and I love Jesus and I'm trying to do the devotional that you gave us. And I'm reading this book and I'm I'm trying to surround myself with friends that believe the way I believe and still... X, Y, and Z hasn't happened in my life, and I've still got these, bat, these things going on, and why doesn't God change it? Why doesn't God fix it? I, I have a lot of faith, and God's not doing anything. And I think how often that's us, too. We're going, I don't understand. I prayed for rain, and it's still a desert. I don't understand. And so I told her, I said, you know, God just calls us to be faithful. I don't know why God's putting you through this. I don't. So often we don't know. And we may never know on this side of earth. But I know that God knows the big picture. I know that God is trustworthy. And I know that God has the best in mind for all of us. It's just that best may be really painful at times. That best may be not what we want to be going through. But are we going to stand firm in our faith and walk with him? Or are we going to drift away... When those things come. And I told this student. I said you've got to keep standing firm. You've got to keep studying your Bible. You've got to keep being in prayer. Even though it doesn't look like there's an answer. Even though it doesn't look like God's fixing this. You've got to stick with it. And she said. She goes I am. But it's so hard. It's so hard. And it is. And when you're a 14 year old or 15 year old. And you're walking through it. That's really hard. But it's also hard when you're 35 or you're 50 or you're 80 or you're 90. It's always hard. You know, and I think we've got this mindset sometimes, especially the kids when they first come into faith and understand. They think things are going to all of a sudden get better when they know Jesus. Their lives are all of a sudden, all these problems are going to go away. And sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes it honestly gets worse. And I think it's because the devil starts attacking us because he doesn't want us following Christ. He doesn't want us doing these things. He wants to distract us. He wants us to fall off. And that's why we have to go back to being rooted in the word when it comes to our faith. Or we are going to fall off. And so I think back to that class that I took with the Holy Spirit. And I think, you know, we talk so often about we pray for physical healing and we pray for spiritual healing of people. And there was a couple other healings that we talked about, but so often we fail to recognize, especially when someone's sick, and they don't get better, and we keep praying, and they don't get better, and don't get better. And then they finally, things happen, and they pass away, and we go, well, where was God? What was he doing? Well, that was his gift of healing. That was the ultimate healing for that person, if they knew him, because they're going to get to spend eternity now with him. And so sometimes we forget that, because when we pray, We say, well, this is, I have faith in you, and this is how I want you to do it. And see, we can't really do that. I mean, I'm happy to tell God I would like this to be how you do it, but I'm also going to be okay if that's not your will. I may not like it, but I'm going to be okay if that's not your will, if that's not your way in this situation. Ray Steadman said this, he said, Faith is believing that there is another dimension to life other than those which can be touched, tasted, seen, or felt. There is more to life than that. There is also the realm of the spirit, the invisible spiritual kingdom of God. All the ultimate answers of life lie in that kingdom. Faith believes that God, in his grace, has stepped over the boundary into human history And told us some great and valuable truths. Faith believes them and adjusts its life to those facts and walks on that basis. You see, when we're following God and Christ, it changes our walk because now we start walking based on what we know about Him. And what we know about Him goes back to the Word, it's always pointing us back to the Word. I liked A.W. Tozer who said, Faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. Faith is the gaze of a soul upon a a saving God. On Friday I went down to the Anglican fourth day retreat um, and I was given the grace talk. And one of the verses I used was this from Ephesians chapter 2. It said, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, it starts with God, and then God just does it all from there. We have to put our hand to the plow. We have to put our hand to the plow. Noah put his hand to the plow. But God gives us that choice. That was one of the big things in the Anglican Fourth Day talk, was that we get a choice. Are we going to accept that free gift of grace, and let Jesus bridge the gap between us and our sin and God, or are we going to reject that and keep trying to do it our way? Because sometimes that's where we struggle. We keep saying, I have to clean up my act. We have, I have to clean up my act. I have to do all these things to be right before I come to God. You know, I told it an Anglican Fourth Day, I heard someone say once that was in their 80s, they said, well, I believe there's a God, but he doesn't want to have a relationship with me. I've done too much bad in my life, and it's too late for me to do anything about it. And we talked, I talked to them about Jesus, but they kept saying, but yeah, but I've got to clean it up, and I've done way too much bad in my life to ever make it right. And I've prayed that that person figured it out, that other people were sent, and that seed that was planted was watered, and they worked on that, because that is a hard place to be. It's easy to think we've got to do something. You know, we can be very workspace, but we don't have to do anything other than accept that free gift of grace and have faith in him. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. That's what I hope for with Christ the King and all of us that are here. I hope that when we look at the world, when we look at our community, that we see everything else through the grace and love of Christ. Because I believe God is calling us to something deeper. I'm reading this book right now, and that's what it's called, Deeper. And it's really all about being more rooted in the word, being more rooted in a a prayer life, being surrounded by people that are of common faith and belief as you, and we're walking in this together. We're doing this together. And see, I believe that's what God's doing here at Christ the King. He's really calling us to tighten up, to get more rooted in the word, and go out and do this, because we are a beacon on a hill. There's so much despair in the world today, there's so much depression in the world today, and we're different. We're different. And that's what I want for us, to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, to run our race to the best that we can with him. Because we can't do it without him. Being submissive to him and saying, not my will, Lord, but yours. That's what I my prayer is for all of us here. So often I want my way and I have great ideas, but it's not really what God has. And I hope that we can all get to a point that we're willing to say I'm going to set what I want aside so that when I go out into Ocala or the villages or on top of the world or wherever it is that I live, it's going to be different. That we are going to be that beacon that's drawing people to Christ because we need to do that. We need to work on passing that baton to the next generation. I love working with the youth ministry because that is our future. That is our future, and I love, a few weeks ago, I got to have lunch with two of my students. that One's graduated college now, and, and one's finishing up their college this year. And it's great when they come back and tell stuff, and I'm meeting with another one this week and having lunch. And I love hearing about what they're doing, and I love that they call us back. And it's not me. It's not because of me. It's because of this community of faith that's drawing together, that's being in prayer, that's being in the Word, and that's what's doing it. That's what draws people back to us. That's what's drawing them back, because they see in us, I think, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, and they want to know what's different about us, and why are we calm when all, everything's falling apart, and why, is this, why, are these, why are we different? And we need to be prepared to tell people. So my hope and my prayer for all of us is that as we go out of here, that we are a people that put our faith into action, and that people will see that we live differently, and that they will come to know, love, and serve Jesus through us allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Amen.